Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn, Glenn Siepert. I'm your host. And this, this, my friends, is episode number 180. And it's part number 14 of our series, Instant Replay, where we're looking back at some of your favorite episodes, my favorite episodes, and we're revisiting the topics uh, that we explored and uh, this episode is is one of my favorites. Uh, we're trying to put together a top 20 list. We're almost there, almost to the end. Uh, but this episode is one of my favorites uh, with Cindy Wong Brandt. And uh, if you know Cindy, you know of her work, uh, she has a Facebook group. Now, what's it called? It's called Raising, Raising Children Unfundamentalist. And so her work, her work is phenomenal. And it really caters to uh, parents who have come out of that or families who have come out of this evangelical world, this fundamentalist world, oh, there's one way to think, and if you don't think this way, everybody's going to hell, all this different kind of stuff. And how do you how do you raise kids <laughs> when that's all you know, right? You don't want your kids in that, in that uh, kind of growing up with that mentality, but that's all that you grew up with. And so what, what do you, what do you do? How, how do you raise a child uh, in a way that's so drastically different from how you are raised. She, tons of, tons of resources. She's a wealth of knowledge. And uh, she was kind enough to come onto the show and talk to me. She lives in Taiwan. And so we had to record the episode. Uh, for me, it was like super late at night. Not super late, but when you're old like me, <laughs> it feels super late. And for her, it was like super early in the morning. I think like on the next day. So like getting the timing right <laughs> for the episode, I had to like triple check. Like, okay. So we're doing this at like 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, whatever that is for you on this day, right? Yes, okay. So anyway, but it was a lot of fun. Uh, she's, a, she's a wonderful person, and uh, I was really grateful to have this conversation with her. What I love about this episode is she spoke. She spoke to an issue that I'm wrestling with, with my daughter, uh, and this fear that I've had for a long time. Uh, and I'll, I'll tell you really quick, I'm not gonna tell you what she said, but the fear that I've had is, you know what, like I've, I have, I have a love for the Bible. The Bible's a messy book. <laughs> it's super messy. And I no longer see it as I used to see it, but I still love it. And I thought to myself, I've been thinking like, what if my daughter, like I'm raising my daughter to be a free thinker. Like I, I want you to believe what you believe. Carve out your own journey with God. This is what I've done not what you need to do. This is where I'm at. I will always be there as a resource for her. I'll try to answer my her questions as honestly as I can. I will tell her that my way is one way. There's many ways to think. Whatever, you got you to figure things out for yourself as you go on your journey. But I will be here to help you. But I said to Cindy, like, what happens if she grows up and hates God, hates the Bible, wants nothing to do with those things? Like I said, it's such an important thing for me like, what will I do if it's not important to her? And her, she, she took such care in the way that she handled my question because she should could have just said, you idiot, <laughs> right? It just, give me so much. She didn't say that at all. And she really acknowledged that, that fear inside of me and really gave me some valuable insight uh, to think about. And it, it's helped me uh, over this past, I think now, year and a half since I talked to her, two years uh, and it's really helped me a lot. And so anyway, this is a great conversation. Uh, please go check out the show notes. I'll put all of her links in there. She has a book out as well that we talk about uh, in the episode, but really great person, really great work in the world. And if you don't know Cindy, uh, you need to go and find her ASAP on the Facebooks. 
anyway, all that to say, what else we got today? Look at my notes. See, I, I got myself distracted because I'm thinking about that conversation. I'm getting myself, I was getting a little bit emotional when I was thinking about that because it's something I still wrestle with today. Uh, so it totally threw me off, but that's okay because I'm human, you're human, we're human, and it's all it's all good. Show notes, uh, Patreon, and buy me a coffee. If you if this has encouraged you at all, inspired you, uh, those are two places to go to support the show financially. Uh, this is what I do with my life. I quit my job of eleven years. You're probably thinking you quit your job at eleven years and you <laughs> to do this. <laughs> you're stumbling all over your words right now. Uh, and recording this intro and you're not going to edit it out? What's wrong with you? I'm not going to support you. Just kidding. If, if this has encouraged you, uh, if this has inspired you, please consider going to support the show. Uh, this is what I do with my life. Um, I have some some social media gigs, I call them, where I help people with their social media. That pays some of the bills, brings in a little bit of money. Uh, but the rest of it is is from Patreon uh, because this is what I do. Uh, I, 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 I've gone to school to... Seminary, Bible college, pastor churches, and all the things. I worked for Apple for 11 years, and I, I started this podcast in my spare time. And now I do it with my full time, uh, as well as being a father and things like that. But I try to do it with the, the majority of my time is spent doing doing this. So if this has encouraged you, it has inspired you, uh, please consider going over there to see how you can support the show for as little as $3 a month. Uh, all the way up to like $100 a month. So whatever it is that you feel you want to give or can give or are able to give or whatever, uh, that's a place where you can do it. And the money goes to pay for our bills. I mean, it helps put food on the table, uh, helps get 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 our daughter some Christmas presents and different things uh, like that. It goes towards the mortgage. It goes towards the gas, the electric, the water bill, all the different fun things that adults have to think about <laughs> uh, in in the world. So thank you. We have 41 Patreon supporters right now. And uh, the secret family is incredibly grateful for you. Uh, and the fact that you believe in what we're doing enough uh, to give some of your hard earned money to help us. And uh, that means a lot to us. We don't take that. We don't take that lightly. Uh, also in the, in the show notes, uh, we have special music today is from my friend, uh, Forrest Clay. Uh, he has recently released a uh, brand new album called Recover. And uh, his music is just so good. Um, it really speaks to the heart of somebody who's deconstructing, reconstructing, and rethinking their faith. So uh, please go check him out. Forrest Clay, he's on iTunes, Spotify, all the places. Uh, he's also on Facebook. Reach out to him. He's a you know, easy guy to interact with. So he's not going to like turn you down or ignore you if you reach out to him. He will certainly answer you. So go look him up. Uh, follow him. Uh, he's a super cool guy. And uh, yeah, that's all I got to say. That's it. I'm going to be quiet. Uh, all that to say, again, this is episode number 180, and uh, let's roll the tape with Cindy Wong Brandt. Enjoy. Does God have a face? Does he have a body or even a name? If he does, does he know that I'm
Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the What If Project podcast. Uh, it is great to have you along today because we're sitting down with my friend, Cindy Wong Brandt, who is the author of the amazing book, Parenting Forward, and uh, subtitled How to Raise Children with Justice, Mercy, and Kindness. So, Cindy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for coming by. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, for sure. So, Cindy, I first heard about you on uh, Facebook. Someone shared a quote of yours that I believe maybe originated in your Facebook group, uh, Raising Children Unfundamentalist. And since I was raised in what I would probably call a strict conservative fundamentalist church private school setting, I was like, oh, like, I don't know who Cindy is, but she gets me and I need to get more of her voice in my, in my life. And so uh, I recently picked up your book. Um, I love it. Your book really has resonated with me, uh, with my wife. We're both in this season of deconstruction, reconstruction. We've got a two and a half year old daughter. So we have a variety of people in our life from our old tribe who maybe aren't as excited about our faith shift as, as we are. So uh, I just, yeah, so I was just talking to my wife the other night and I was like, I really just want to thank you, uh, Cindy, for the work that you do for the safe place that you have created for people uh, who are trying to raise their kids in a way that is maybe different from the norm. So thank you mm. for what you do. Thank you. Oh, it's such an honor to do what I love and have people thank me for it. I always feel like I have to thank you for trusting my voice and being a part of my community. It's always interesting to me to hear people resonate with my experience because I live in Taiwan um, mm. and I'm Asian and, and I'm a woman. So it's like my life experiences should be very different from yours, but mm. it it kind of speaks to how far reaching the influence of evangelicalism is. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm an, I'm an missionary convert. I was converted. Mm. I grew up here in Taiwan, but I was converted by American evangelical missionaries. Mm. Um, and I also went to a conservative evangelical school. And so it's, it's funny because even though I grew up in another culture and another country, uh, the subculture of evangelicalism and the faith values is so similar to others who grew up in that same environment. Yeah, sure. Um, and so I, I, when I tell my stories about my faith and my upbringing, it's, it like resonates with people all, halfway across, across the world um, because of how cohesive I think the narrative mm. um, of evangelicalism is, especially when it comes to raising children and youth, hmm. right? Um, yeah. Yeah, there's just these uh, th those core principles of raising children, which I really think is authoritarian, hierarchical, mm. um, which is what I'm trying to undo the damage and break the cycle for the next generation. Mm, that's so good. You know, I didn't know originally that you were in Taiwan. And then when I learned that you were, I was like, wow, like, I would think just because I, ignorance, I would just think that the the way that you would speak about these kind of things there would be very different from here, but everybody here knows who Cindy Wong Brandt is. Um, and so it's just so interesting to me that like you live there, but like you said, your message and the things that you're, you're teaching, the things you're striving for, you're pushing for really resonate mm -hmm. with everybody. So before we jump into the book, cause I want to, I, I ripped this book apart. I've highlighted it and I have so many questions for you and I tried to narrow down my, my list. But uh, before we jump into that, maybe for our listeners who don't know who you are, maybe they haven't, um, heard of you. Uh, I was wondering if you could just take a few minutes to maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. Who are you? What, what do you do? Uh, what makes what makes Cindy tick? 
Sure. Um, I touched on it already. I grew up yeah. in Taiwan and I was converted into evangelicalism. And mm -hmm. um, so I was raised in this environment and went to Wheaton College, the Harvard of evangelicalism, mm -hmm. went to seminary. I actually became a missionary myself. So I was very, um, very much on that path of um, evangelical godliness <laughs> um, trying to get that crown yep. um, and then and then life happened and um, I, I tell there's people always ask me what started my deconstruction and there's mm. so many different things and it's so gradual and it's so gradual and sudden at the same time I don't mm. even know if that makes sense but yeah, it's just it true Experience. There's like there are certain moments, like for example, when my brother came out as transgender. So that was one big moment. And then mm -hmm. there's the slow grind of you know moving about in this world as a woman of color and realizing that I'm treated differently. So there's mm -hmm. that inequality. And so there's little things and big things that's happened in life that's caused me to deconstruct my faith. And and then I had like many other evangelicals, I married young. And I had children right mm. away, and I found, I thought my biggest calling in life was to be a wife and mother, because that's mm. what I was taught. Um, and so I had my children while going through this faith deconstruction, and the big question and, and tension in my life was, how am I supposed to pass on my faith, which... Um, it's kind of a big part of parenting, right? It's giving yeah. our children the values that are um, closest to us. And so I was having to um, parent my children while having no idea um, what I believe anymore, what I believe about everything, because your faith kind of is the lens through which you interpret everything that happens in your life, mm. your marriage, your vocation, um, you know, the media that you consume, like everything. Mm. Um, so it, it was such a mess <laughs> and yeah. such disarray about how to manage that tension. And, mm. and I became a writer. I started writing about these things and, and I built this community um, of other parents who are going through the same thing because I knew that I wasn't the only one. Mm. Um, and I also wanted to create resources for parents who want to raise their children with spirituality, with faith. Um, well, not necessarily faith. I, I really honor um, agnostics and atheists as mm. well, but with depth, right? With depth yeah. and with meaning. Um, but that comes from a more progressive uh, side of things because I didn't feel like it existed. I didn't feel like there were very much yeah, <laughs> that existed in this particular niche. And so I wanted to um, build something at the intersection of parenting and progressive faith, which is the intro of my podcast, Parenting Forward, hmm. um, as well as I have a conference, Parenting Forward Conference, um, and my group. So everything that I do is trying to expand the space of parenting and progressive faith. So all of that, your story makes me think of my own story and kind of a struggle that, that I have. And a lot of people have asked me this question and I don't know how to answer them. So maybe you can help shine some light onto this. But in your experience, like how, how did you learn to talk to your kids about Jesus, uh, about God, when you're in this place where you're not really even 100% sure what the heck you believe about Jesus and God uh, anymore? And I asked that because 
Um, as I've mentioned, I have a daughter. She's two and a half years old. And we've been talking to her about Jesus and about God uh, since she mm -hmm. was an infant. And on our fireplace mantle, we have these uh, figurines that I had when I was a kid um, that are, you know, like images of Jesus in different scenes of his life. So maybe he's walking on water. Uh, there's the crucifixion, turning water into wine. And she loves to look at these figurines. She's like, Daddy, take me to the fireplace to look at these. And my old, like, evangelical mind, like, I know how to tell these stories, like, in my sleep. And I could talk about these things. And I used to be a pastor, so I would preach about them. But mm -hmm. my new, like, more progressive thinking mind, sometimes I have trouble putting words on the things that I, I think about these stories. And so what advice would you give to people like me uh, who have come out of this evangelical world? They're rethinking their faith, but they're really hesitant to talk to their kids about God because maybe they don't want to say the wrong thing. They don't really know how to answer the questions. They don't know how to describe the things that they feel. Like, what is your experience with, with that? I think people are afraid of talking about faith to their children the same way they're afraid to talk their children about sex, yeah. about death, mm. about all the hard things, because it feels like the stakes are so high. Yep. It feels like if you say the wrong thing, you're going to ruin them for life. That's exactly what I fear. <laughs> yes, you nailed it. <laughs> so I would encourage parents, especially those of us who have gone through a significant faith shift, to know that faith is not static. Mm. There's nothing that you can say that's going to set your child in stone for their faith. Mm. Like they are going to change, especially if you tell your story of your evolving faith and your faith fluidity, then they're going to grow up in a family that understands that faith isn't static. And then, so they can think, they can be a little fundamentalist at two years old. Yeah. <laughs> and they likely will be because of concrete literal thinking. Um, and that's okay because mm. there, there's time and there's space and there's freedom. Hopefully you're offering your children the freedom to change their minds. Mm. Um, and I feel like, we have to honor our story and we have to honor our own authenticity. In fact, that's the best thing that we can do is to be honest and authentic to our children. So I would recommend to parents, tell your, tell your kids what you think about Jesus and God and faith at the time, what is most honest to you. What do you think at that moment in time, knowing that you used to think differently, knowing that you're going to think differently, yeah. um, but that particular snapshot, just tell them, honor, give your children your most honest self um, mm. at that moment and grow together. And uh, my big thing is we learn with our kids. We learn from our kids mm. about faith and, and about wonder and awe and connectedness. Um, and so always make it a, a, a two-way street. Um, mm. You know, a lot of parents say, well, how do I teach my children about faith? Well, why don't you ask, what can my children teach me about faith? Mm, that's good. I, I always I think growing up, I was always, especially in school, like in, like I said, I went to a private Christian school. We had Bible class every Thursday mm -hmm. and I was in youth group in Sunday school. And then I went to Bible college and it was always like, you were always told that in order to be strong in your faith, you had to be almost like a pillar, you know, like an unshakable, unmovable pillar and if you're that pillar ever weakened that meant that you had weak faith and so i think yeah. i think sometimes my battle internally is part of me wants to portray that to my daughter but part of me also realizes that's the toxicity that i picked up growing up and so i think right. what you bring out the beautiful the beautiful thing that you bring out is the fluidity 
of my own journey is something that she could probably learn from as well. And then I can right. learn from her as I watch her experience it myself. That's right. It's a, it's a story. Our lives mm-hmm. are stories and children unfortunately resonate with stories very well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we live our story, we let our children live their story, and we have the privilege and honor of intersecting our stories with our children. Mm. Um, I think that's a much better way to think of faith than, than, than any pillar. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. For sure. So we've got, uh, like I said, we have a lot of parents that listen to the show. And one of the questions that I get a lot um, in our Facebook group, and that I'm constantly asking myself is, you know, how, how, do you, how do I respond to uh, maybe family that has raised me in a more fundamentalist evangelical setting, but they're having a hard time accepting my own faith shift and therefore uh, the way that I'm choosing to raise my own child? Like, what are your thoughts about, you know, like getting together with family for holidays, for birthdays, for events, those almost like unavoidable circumstances where you know that family is going to be present they're either going to give you the stink eye, you know, the side eye. Maybe they're going to verbally shame you or joke or challenge you or push back on your beliefs. Like, have you had any experience, first of all, personally uh, with this? And what words of wisdom would you have for people who are maybe finding themselves in that uncomfortable territory today? Right. Um, so this is where the research and awareness surrounding boundaries is really mm. helpful. Yeah. And the problem, I think, why so many of us who grew up in those kinds of families and are now having to interact with them mm. is because we learn how to draw boundaries. Mm. Because evangelicalism is totally crappy. Yes, very much. <laughs> teaching you how to draw boundaries. Yes. Yeah. Um, and so we, didn't, we don't have those skills but that's okay because we can learn. Mm. (laughs) Um, And I think um, boundaries is the way that you, we, we, the the thing to remember about boundaries is we draw them not to keep people out. We draw them so that we can have a better relationship with them. Um, That's the one thing that I think changed my mind because we think of boundaries as like, Oh, okay. We got to put up these walls and block people out. Mm. No, the reason we have boundaries is so that we can, enter into a better relationship eventually, even though at first it's always going to be hard. When you have no boundaries and you first erect them, people Mm. will respond and sometimes in negative ways. Mm. Um, But if you can get over (laughs) that initial tension and people learn um, to respect those boundaries, then I think it can end up being a beautiful thing. Mm. Um, And when it comes to practical what to do at family um, functions and stuff. It, there's just too many factors for me to, uh, to really a give a blanket statement. advice because, because some people live far away from their family and they only see their family once every year. And that's mm. a very different story than somebody who lives in the same town and get together every weekend. Mm. And, and that's where you have to decide where your boundaries are um, if you live very close, then you might have to have a little stricter boundaries sure. um, for what works for you. Um, but I will offer one thing that Brian McLaren actually said on my podcast when I asked him the same question. Hmm. Um, he uses the phrase, wow, I think of that very differently. <laughs> yeah. um, so hmm. that's something that's just like a kind of a life hack. Hmm. or when you have to have conversations with people who are spouting things that are frankly very offensive. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, so instead of making like statements about what you believe or having to defend yourself, kind of turning it into more of a 
a dialogue or? I think what, what we always want to remember is to not evangelize people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, if, don't go in trying to evangelize and change anyone's minds. Mm. Um, but you can go in with your full presence. You mm. can go in with your full self. And sometimes that means asserting your perspective. Um, and so, wow, I think of that very differently. Hopefully it opens up a space for you to maybe insert your opinion or not. You could yeah. just leave it at that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's difficult. And I find that in a lot of progressive spaces and Facebook groups and such, people are very quick to say, cut them off, cut mm -hmm. them out. Um, and I get the sentiment, I think, because so many of us um, find ourselves stuck in toxic relationships that mm -hmm. we we're, we we should have cut out a long time ago. And so when we finally found the courage to cut them out, we're quick to give advice to other people that they should cut people out. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of a little bit of projection, I think, on hmm. people's part when they, when they say that. And it's just not always applicable and helpful because especially for those of us raising children, we have grandparents and having grandparents in children's lives is known to be very beneficial to our children. Yeah. Um, and so it's hard. And I mean, I absolutely agree that if grandparents are very toxic, um, that you should cut them out, but it's just not such a simple case. Yeah. Most, uh, most of the time it's how can we draw the right boundaries to have the level of relationship that we're comfortable with and that we could still be our full authentic selves. Hmm. Yeah. I like that because I think, you know, going back to what you said about boundaries and boundaries aren't, don't really, they're not really taught in the evangelical world. And no, we don't know how to do it. And we don't know that we don't have them. Yeah. Like I was always taught so. that a boundary was cut them off. Like you said, you know, I mean, it's, it's a wall. It's not a line. It's a wall. And it yeah. has, it's made of bricks and it's cemented and that's, this that's the right. And I think what yeah. you say about boundaries reminds me, I was just thinking we want to put in a fence for our our backyard uh, next summer. Uh, so my mm -hmm. daughter can run around, you know, and the fence okay. is there as a boundary. Um, but it's right. also there so she can have fun. We can open the door. She could run out the door and she can go out mm -hmm. there and she can play and have a great time. And I think the boundary, like you said, in a relationship is there to create the freedom mm -hmm to have a good time with the other person. That's right. And, and sometimes, and it takes time. Give yourselves time to mm. know even what your boundaries are. And a lot of times, unfortunately, you don't know what your boundaries are until they've been stepped over. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so you go to Thanksgiving dinner, you have a confrontation that just ends with somebody storming out the door. That's when you know something has been crossed. Some yeah. line has been crossed. And, and so then you have to say, okay, now I know this is mm. my boundary. I cannot have somebody saying something anti-LGBT against my gay child, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, so there's your boundary. And, and then you can communicate that. And, and the whole, you know, um, do no harm, but take no shit, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right? Like yep. you can kindly, you're, you don't have to be aggressive or mean about stating your boundaries, you can be kind. You can mm -hmm. say, hey, listen, I, um, this is not going to be okay with me. My friend Kay Bruner tells me boundaries is what's okay with me and what's not okay with me. Mm. So just you know, nicely state, this is not going to be okay with me. If we're mm -hmm. gonna have this relationship, 
this is what you have to honor. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's not, a, <laughs> not a fun and easy path, but uh, um, I think the ultimate reward hopefully is a meaningful relationship. That's mm. the ideal situation. Absolutely. That's, that's really helpful. Thank you. Um, you talk a lot in your, in your book and a lot online too in, in your Facebook group about uh, giving children a, a choice in a variety of, of circumstances so that they learn to um, have the power to choose, uh, learn that their ideas and their voice matter. Like, you know, do you want to wear the red shirt today or do you want to wear the yellow shirt? Do you want corn for dinner or broccoli? And we do this with our daughter every day and it's worked miracles because we can tell that she's learning how to make choices and she's learning uh, like what pajamas she wants to pick at night, things like that. Uh, but you also say in the book that it's important to provide them with choices when it comes to their faith. So like, instead of telling mm -hmm. them what to believe, uh, maybe tell them what you believe and offer it as a tool in their, their tool belt and invite them to take part in it um, if they wish, but expose them to other traditions and ideas as well. So I was reading this uh, part of the book last night. I've got to be honest with you. It gives me like a ton of anxiety <laughs> because mm. I, I do think that you're a thousand percent right. Like I agree completely. Uh, but mm -hmm. for me, like my faith in Christ and my, um, my like love of the, of the Bible and the scriptures, even though it's mm -hmm. changed and it's evolved like over time, it's always been like a huge part of who I am. And so mm -hmm. I have this like fear that if, if I empower my daughter's sense of autonomy, you know, as she grows in terms of her faith, mm -hmm that she might like really choose to believe something drastically different or maybe even like not believe in any kind of concept of God at all. And that, that kind of scares me a, a little bit because I feel like faith is something we could really bond over, you know, very much as she, as she grows into a teenager and a young adult. But if she chooses not to have that faith, like I wonder in my mind, like what would that do for our bond? And so kind of all of that to say, can you maybe respond a little bit to that, that fear um, and anxiety that I feel maybe other people feel as well. Maybe speak to, you know, why is it so important to allow children to develop this sense of choice or autonomy uh, when they're younger? That's really interesting. Um, I'm going to talk about something a lot less significant Okay. Um, because I feel like it lowers the stakes so we can have this conversation. Um, so let's say that my, we'll, we'll just talk about my husband who loves uh, Marvel movies. Um, and then our child does not love Marvel movies. Mm. Right. And okay. Let's just say star Wars. I feel yep. like that's even more. Yeah, that works. <laughs> <laughs> <of a> cult. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> so sure. If a dad loves star Wars and then their son does not love star Wars, like yep. that's a heartbreaking thing. <laughs> yes, it would be. <laughs> right. And yep. I think, that when we experience that kind of heartbreak at, in those moments, that's when we reveal how much we're willing to let our children be their own person, mm. right? Um, we have to let them be their own person. We cannot make them be who we want them to, meet, to be. I think we all have this picture in our head when we're first pregnant with our child of what it's going to be like and the reality is almost never going to be what it's going to be like and that's because our children are autonomous free human beings mm. and we have to let them live their own stories because it's really their right it's mm. their human right to be who they are 
Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, I, I understand the anxiety and I, I think it's okay to be honest about that. We can even be honest about that to our children. Mm. We can say, I'm really bummed that you don't like Star Wars, yeah. <laughs> but you get to be who you are, you mm. know? Um, so there's that. I think, I think we have to both honor the grief in um, our children choosing something that we would have liked them to, to choose or, yeah. or not choose, yeah. um, and still give them the freedom. Um, the other thing about the bond is I just have a very hard time, especially if you are the kind of parent who loves your child so much that you're willing to let them live their own story, mm. that they would not be bonded to you. Mm. Because they would, they would be, it's because I think it's the best ingredient for a strong parent-child um, mm. connection mm. is when there's freedom and autonomy. And because it's, it's the ultimate unconditional love. Mm. And I don't, I can't imagine that a child would not love and want to be influenced by a parent who's willing to give them that. Mm. So I would say, don't worry so much. You may not be able to bond over certain common things, but there will be a bond and there'll be a bond that's forged out of love and freedom and all the good things. Um, and then lastly, uh, if you feel like you can't bond with your child because they believe in another religion or mm -hmm. a different kind of faith than you, then what does that say about your relationship with people, other adults in the world who yeah. are of a faith? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the challenge that it would put out there. Um, I think we live in this pluralistic age where we have to learn how to connect meaningfully and deeply and to work alongside and with our fellow human citizens of other faiths and non-faiths mm. to, to really um, try to do some good in this world, right? Mm. We can do so much more good outside of just our own little bubbles mm. and ideological and faith bubbles. Um, and so, yeah, I guess I would challenge you to, to, to explore how you can actually have very good relationships with people who choose a very different faith than you. Hmm. You know, I just actually, while you were talking, I had an aha moment because I think growing up again in that evangelical setting, and I don't know if this was kind of the message that you got, but the message I got was that you can only truly bond with someone if you believe kind of the same things when it comes to yeah. God and faith. And, if, and if, you, <laughs> yeah, if, you, if you don't believe that, then it's kind of like, well, can't really have that great of a relationship with that person. So as you're talking, mm. I'm thinking about now, like now that my faith has evolved, like some of my best friends are agnostic, atheists, mm -hmm. um, a lot of LGBTQ friends, a lot of people right. who are just in a much different place than I am, but yet we still have a very close bond. So as you were That's talking, right. I imagined to myself, my daughter is a human being just like they are. And so right. if she does grow to have these differing ideas, there's no reason why I can't share that same bond with her. So that was very exactly. eye-opening for me. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. So uh, kind of my, my last question for you that I want to ask is, can you maybe speak to uh, parents who grew up in that conservative um, fundamentalist setting and they're now raising their kids in this more progressive way? Um, but specifically, how can parents or should parents even be on the alert to kind of safeguard, maybe set up boundaries, whatever, to make sure that they don't parent in a way that is just as fundamentalist as they experienced growing up, 
but now progressively so as opposed to conservative. Because kind of as I've been evolving in my faith and I've been thinking through some of these things, I feel like evolving in your faith is one thing, but if we're not careful, it can be really easy, I think, to bring that fundamentalism and those rules and that need to be right that we were kind of raised with um, along with us in our shift and then maybe even worse, bring it into our role as a parent as well. So are there, do you think that that's like an issue? Do you think that there are boundaries that we can set up to make sure that doesn't happen? Is it something we even need to worry about? Uh, what are your thoughts on, on that? Um, I get a lot of accusations that I'm a progressive fundamentalist. Mm. <laughs> um, and a lot of times I really feel like people say that because they disagree with something yeah. that I've said. <laughs> mm. Yeah, sure. And I think it, it's very easy to hurl that insult. You're a fundamentalist when you don't agree. Um, so a lot of times I would really question when people say that, oh, you're being just as fundamentalist on the other side. Um, if when we strive for equality, um, whenever we try to upset the status quo, um, the people in power are going to react and um, it's going to sound scary, mean, um, threatening. Um, this is why we have tone policing, right? We have mm. people who are like, can you please say that in a nicer way? Can you please say that in a quieter way, in a way mm. that's more acceptable? Mm. Um, and, and that's very problematic because a lot of times people become very loud and disruptive because every other way does not work and they're mm. not able to have a voice uh, mm. unless, they, um, unless they shout, unless they are... And a lot of times it's not even anything threatening. It just seems so threatening because we've never heard a woman or a woman of color um, mm. be allowed to, to be themselves. Mm. <laughs> and so when they do assert themselves, it feels like, oh, wow, you're being fundamentalist. Mm. Um, but I get what you're saying. I think a lot of people worry that, oh, we're indoctrinating our kids just as much, but with like the liberal agenda. Yeah. And uh, I think that's fair, but I feel like if you are asking yourself that question, then you're probably not. Mm. If you're asking yourself, am I indoctrinating my child too much with my liberal agenda, then you're probably not because mm. you're aware that you are a shaping influence in your child's life and you want to be careful about your power dynamic. Mm. Um, so yeah, I'm not very concerned about yeah. this issue. <laughs> I, I think I think that you're right. I think because I, I follow you on Twitter. I follow um, Diana Butler Bass and you know, Jen mm -hmm. Hatmaker, and there's a lot of a lot of people come at you guys sometimes, and you know, kind of accuse yeah. you of being too loud and using your voice. And as I think about it, you know, I don't think, like you said, it's not it's not that you're it's not that you're pushing some kind of liberal agenda or something like that. It's just that I don't think yeah. that these people who come at you are used to seeing uh, women use their voice in that way. That's so right. it's not, so I think it's more shock on their part than mm -hmm. it is anything else. They don't know what to do with that shock. Yeah. So I, I would really encourage people before you um, accuse, make that accusation to check yourself. Um, mm -hmm. Is it really, <laughs> is it really problematic to you or is it just you're not used to seeing someone speak their voice? <laughs> yeah. Hmm. 
And when people do start speaking their voice, it's, it's a beautiful thing for sure. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, Cindy, we're just about uh, out of time, uh, but before I let you, you go, uh, do you have, is there any place where people can go to connect with you online? I know we mentioned your Facebook group. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit more specifically about that or um, any particular social media platform you spend more time on than another where people can find you. Um, I spend the most time on Facebook at Raising Children on Fundamentalist. It and keeps you busy I'm in there, Twitter. doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then there's Twitter. I'm on Twitter quite a bit as well, but I don't just talk about parenting on Twitter. Um, I have a couple of resources if people are interested in. I have a list of children's Bible recommendations that are progressive and not oh, great. with like white Jesus. Mm. Um, and I also have a training that I've developed, which helps parents who are um, faith shifting to figure out the values that matter to them. Because what I hear from parents often is, I know what I don't want to teach my kids, but I don't know what I do want to teach my kids. Mm. Um, and so that's a, that's like a training that I've created and people can sign up for that. It's free on my website. Um, and I also, I can give you the link for it. That'd be great. I'll put the link uh, in the show notes for people. Well, Cindy, thank you so much. Uh, this has been super helpful. Uh, I appreciate you stopping by. Thank you. Absolutely. Have a good night or a good day, I guess in Taiwan. <laughs> <laughs> Deconstructed these walls and I found a business Where the company line was the only way to get paid We built a church uncertainty that fears everything against
Wade through the fear and the 